You can't allow your giants to determine your responses. In so doing, you have made them an idol. But you've got to crash down that idol by declaring that you believe that all things are under the power and the control of Almighty God. And it's for His glory at all times. Well, we all have situations that produce fear within. And it's in those times we have to rely on the promises of God. Do we really trust Him to help us in the hard stuff? How did the young shepherd boy David handle the tough times in his life? Well, let's learn more. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Loretz. Crawford has served in Christian ministry for over 50 years. His books include Leadership as an Identity, Unshaken, and Make It Home Before Dark. He retired from pastoral ministry and now mentors those in Christian leadership through his organization, Beyond Our Generation. Today we continue in the series, The Pursuit of God's Heart, and we're looking at the life of David. Now, David played a big role in the Old Testament, and God used him mightily, but David was not perfect. We're looking at six segments of David's life, and so far we've seen that David was marked by God to be king, and today more about the slaying of a giant. We'll learn that David trusted God to deliver him from Goliath, and he used the tools God had already given him to defeat the giant. Our text is 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 48 through 54. Let's dive right in. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy. Now, this is not about David and Goliath. This is about God and Goliath. For David puts the issue where it needs to be. It's not about defying the army of Israel. It's about defying the army of the living God. And David knew what this battle was really all about. It is not about me, and really it's not about my brothers, and it's not about this army. This battle is about God. God. David was deeply, deeply disturbed that someone who did not have a covenant relationship with God, that's thus the expression uncircumcised Philistine, someone who did not have a covenant relationship with God would so boldly heap shame on the armies of the living God. David understood about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knew about what God did through Moses. He had heard the stories growing up about God's incredible faithfulness. What are you guys doing letting him curse God? Why are you paralyzed? Now, one of the things I've learned to do uh, when I'm faced with fear, and I, you know, from time to time I still am, one of the things I've learned to do is stop and meditate on the attributes of God. When I look at what's in front of me and I don't understand how we're gonna get through this situation or why did this thing happen or what's happening to this or what's happening to my family or what's happening over here, what's happening in my own life, I have learned to pause and remember that God is omnipotent and remember that God is omniscient and remember that, 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 that God is omnipresent and to remember that he is immutable, he does not change and to remember that he is holy. All that he is is with us right now. David took what he knew about God and he put it up against what this giant was saying. Somebody needs to hear that today. David refused to succumb to groupthink and conventional wisdom. Now, can you imagine? This is a young boy. He's with his brothers. He's with these hundreds of people here. This is, let's be real about this stuff. I mean, it'd been, you know, it'd been easy for him to say, oh, man, I, 
Now, I'm not even old enough to fight. They, they, they say, they, I mean, they're here and nobody's gone down there. They say, you know, who am I to say anything? I, I don't mean to overpersonalize this, but do you know how many times I've been told through the years that I can't do something? Do you know how many times I've been told through the years what I can and cannot be? And normally it comes from people who mean well. Now, these are not people who are against you or anything like that, but it comes from people who mean well. David refuses to come to groupthink. And again, as I said earlier, some of you are just stuck where you are. Please forgive me here, but I, I, we need to face the truth of where we are. Some of us are just stuck because we keep believing the negative stuff of the folks around us. Some of us just need to get other voices. It's just that they've been beaten down by low expectations. The giants have gotten to them. Do you know how much of God's power we have missed? Because we're listening to the wise counsel? Now, please, don't, don't hear me saying don't listen. And the counsel of many, there's wisdom, and we need to do that. But, but there comes, listen to me, listen to me. I've learned this, I've learned this. There comes points in your life where the majority is wrong. And thank God for David. So... Then there's this unexpected opportunity, this uncommon courage. What makes others afraid makes David angry. Why? Because he knew about his great God. And he had not yet been demented or, or, or somehow or another gone down the path of cynicism and all of that that happens to people that know better and all of this have more experience in life. So I'm, let me tell you what you can't do. David was not campaigning for anything. It was so outraged that this story kept circulating and it kind of like bubbled up to Saul. Verse 31 says, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul and he sent for him to bring, bring him here. I got, I got to see this for myself. You tell me this little shepherd boy, Jesse's youngest son, the runner back and forth. He said, what? Bring him here. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Well, you got to see this. I mean, this is King Saul, tall and all of this stuff. And this little dude is saying, he's going to go, and I'll go and fight. You're in the what? Yeah, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go and fight. He himself would kill Goliath. Verse 33 says, and Saul said, David, you, no, man, come on. You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. Now, I, I, this is where I need to park it here for a second. What I said before is that, um, what is that? Numbers chapter 1, verse 3, then chapter 26, verse 2 uh, says that, that in order for an Israeli to be in an army, they had to be 20 years old or older. Okay, so we know according to what Saul was saying, David was less than 20 years old. I want to suggest to you that David was probably, based upon what happens later on, David was probably somewhere in the range of 12 to 15. I don't think he was any older than 15. Some of it has to do with my own cynicism, knowing Saul. You know, Saul had a way of bending the rules and this kind of thing. So if David was 16 or 17 and not 20, he said, oh, good enough, we'll lie about your age, say you're 20. 
But I think David was a young dude, and Saul, even Saul said, hey, man, you know, I can't put, I can't put your dad through this. You're, the young, you're a little boy. You're a youth. What, what makes you think that you, you can do this? And what does David do? David points to his unfailing God. This is what he says. Verse 34 says, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came, in, came a, a, a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if you rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David, now if I park right here, David was not bragging about the fact that he killed a lion and a bear. Again, I think, I think sometimes in our desire to, to sort of like say that you got to be a person of courage, just like David was a person of courage, we make the story about David courageously doing this. It's not what the story's about. David did not tell the story to impress Saul with his military or his ability to fight. For the rest of the story, says this is, what, this is where David, look who, who, who David gives the glory to. David says here in verse 37, and, God, and David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. See, again, the story of David and Goliath is not about David being all that powerful. and It's not a story about David and his courage. The story is about one person who trusts in the everlasting almighty God and sees God for who he is. He says the issue here is that this man has not defied Saul's army. This man has defied the armies of the living God. You can't let your giants get away with that. You can't let your giants posture as if they're God. You can't allow your giants to determine your responses. In so doing, you have made them an idol. But you've got to crash down that idol by declaring that you believe that all things are under the power and the control of Almighty God. And it's for His glory at all times. So, David says, this is my logic. It was simple. In my faith, it was simple. Uh, not a little insight here. Don't miss this. I don't know if David intended to do this, but notice that David, even in his illustration, puts the Goliath on the level of an animal. So fighting Goliath would be just another fight with a wild beast. David said he, he doesn't even deserve to be called human. Anybody that would defy the armies of the living God. Why would you give him that st stature? Let me give a little bit of parentheses and, and just insert three quick applications here. One, one is this. I've said it already. Don't give your giants God status. I know your heart is hurt. I've been there. 
God knows I've been there. I've been there. I've been there. I've been there with my heart so broken about a situation where your tears are flowing. You're wondering what in the world you're going to do. I've been there. I know, I know what that's like. I know what that's like. But you've got to resist the temptation of giving your heartache, your giant, the thing that's intimidating you. You've got to resist giving it God's status. Don't give it God's status. Secondly, no one can stand before God, including your giants, and you've got to really believe that. This is not an intellectual acknowledgement. You've got to believe in your heart that nothing or no one can stand before your God, including your giants. And the third thing that you have to really embrace and believe is that God has never, ever lost a battle. All right, your victory. We'll land a plane on this. Here are the keys to our victory, and I say them applicationally. There are three things that take place here. Number one, go with what you have. Notice what happens to David here. He's standing before Saul. Tell Saul about what's in his heart. When he talks about God, even old Saul says, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, you believe that. God be with you. But Saul said, you know, we, you, at least we got to try to help protect you. Verse 38 says, then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, but he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, you know, I, I, I cannot go with these for I, I, I've not tested them. So David put them off. Look what he went with. <laughs> this is, I love it, I love it. Then David took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brooks and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. David went with what he was accustomed to. He, he, knew, he knew how to use his shepherd's staff. I mean, he, he was comfortable with his shepherd's pouch. He carried stuff in that. I mean, and that, that, that slingshot, that's like with him all the time. I know these things. He, he didn't have to become something else or someone else in order for God to use him. David is called the shepherd king because David always viewed himself as a shepherd. And the position of king found him. He did not have to change who he was to become king. He just needed to be who God made him. And this is going to help somebody here. You don't have to affect another persona in order for you to be delivered. You don't have to become something that you... That, that, that you're not. You don't have to get anything, well, if I only had this in my background, if I only had that in my background, if I only had this, if I only had this experience, if I only was born here, if I only had this kind of thing, well, you weren't, and neither was I. God will use you and what he's given to you to bring down your giants. I, I see this all the time with younger leaders. And all, I see it all the time. They, they, they find somebody that they admire, and don't get me wrong, before you know it, they're trying to broker their personality. You don't have their experiences. You don't have their background. You didn't go to that educational track. Why are you burying what God placed in your hand? Use what he placed in your hand. In fact, the truth of the matter is, it's not what he's given to you, it's who's using it. A golf club in my hand is a mess. 
A golf club in Sergio Garcia's hands is a master's. So it's who's using it. Focus on your hope. This goes back. Well, what, what does he say here? Verses 45 through 47. He's speaking to the Philistine. David is there. He's in the valley. It's about ready to come down. David said to, uh, said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. That's what you're trusting in. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the army of Israel, whom you have defied. Nobody, let's get it right. You're the one that's at a disadvantage. You got all this gear and all this regalia and all this verbosity and all this nonsense. I got to tell you, there's someone that ain't scared of you. And his name is not David. His name is the Ancient of Days. His name is Yahweh. His name is Elohim. And it's that name that I invoke in that presence that is with me. David was motivated by God's glory. And then the final thing that I want to say to wrap all this up is this, and I hope you don't get offended by this, but I, I just got to tell you, you know, you, you go with what you have, you know, you, you focus on to remember your hope, but here's the deal. You got to stand and fight. Some of you have been running your whole life. I believe in counseling, believe in its great blessing. I've benefited from it. It's a wonderful blessing. But some of you are going to counseling to procrastinate action. You've got to fight. You've got to stand up in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and fight. You've got to fight for your family. You've got to fight for that relationship. You've got to fight. You don't run from your Goliath. You run to your Goliath. If every time he shows his faith, you get intimidated, nothing's going to change. There comes a point in time where you got to stand up and you have to fight as believers. That's what the armor of God is, is all about. There's no armor for your backside. It all goes up here. Why? Because God assumes that we're going to press into the battle. you got to fight. you got to stand up and fight. Enough is enough. And that's what David does. In fact, that's what the text says. You know, Goliath's come walking toward him in verse 48. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line. Can you imagine? You see this. This dude, 10 feet tall, all it's 125 pounds of, 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 of mail and armor on it. The tip of his spear, 15 pounds. He's standing there, and there's this little dude, man. He's got this shepherd th uh, staff. He's got this uh, shepherd's pouch and this little sling thing, and he's... David runs to greet him. Let me, let, me, let me just tell you this. Now, this is where I, I, I used to preach this the other way, and I'm going to tell you something. David was not disadvantaged, but Goliath was. Some of us bring too much stuff to the battle. You got your options, you're trusting Jesus, but you also trust in this, and you also trust in this, and you got your little backup thing here. And, and God, and God says, no, 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 blessed is the man whose trust is the Lord and whose trust, singular, is the Lord. Here you got this dude for 40 days. You, you, you think there'd be a little bit more drama to it. Maybe David, they'd be chasing David, and he's hiding behind the rock, and maybe there'd be a little guerrilla warfare and this kind of thing that would just take on different deals. And, you know, he runs out of rocks, and he got to go find some more rocks and, you know, make it a little more dramatic. 
I think this thing was over like in 90 seconds. <laughs> David runs, and as he's running, he puts in one of the rocks in his sling. And David was really good at this. I mean, he goes, shoo, 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 and releases it. And it hits him in the one spot that his armor didn't cover. The Bible says, verse 49, and David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. Story over. <laughs> you know, if I was writing this, my publisher would say, do you have a little more? <laughs> Some applications? <laughs> Some stories? No, it's, that was it. It's as if God says, no, it's about my glory, David. You do the bare minimum and I'll take it from here. I wrestled with how to end this message today. But here's what I want to say. Three words. God is enough. God is enough. When you've cried and you've been overwhelmed by your giant, you've been shaken by him, Fall on your knees with an open Bible. Then look your giant in the eye and say, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get through all this, but giant, God is enough. Avoidance means imprisonment. Don't avoid your giant. Face it and wait for the glory of God. Crawford Loritz here on Living a Legacy. You focus on what you have, you remember your hope, and you've got to stand and fight. Has that hit home for you? If so, we pray you'll be renewed in your willingness to deal with the giants in your life. Use what you have and trust the power of Almighty God. Well, if Crawford's message was helpful, take a few moments to let us know. Now, how about an analogy from today's lesson of David and Goliath? Imagine if David let go of that stone but couldn't see Goliath and never really knew if the stone hit its target. Well, that's a bit what it's like with these weekly messages. We need to know if they're reaching their target. Simply stated, if you find help and hope in Crawford's messages, let us know. Write to legacyatmoody.edu. Legacyatmoody.edu. We're in a series called The Pursuit of God's Heart, looking at six segments of David's life. The first segment, David was marked by God to be king. Today, the slaying of giants. And next week, the dark side of favor. Now, if you recall the story, David received a boatload of praise and accolades because of his victory over Goliath. And King Saul became jealous and angry at David. What we'll learn next week is that it was necessary for David to be the brunt and target of Saul's jealousy and mistreatment in order for David to experience greatness. So, hope you'll be back with us for this study in God's Word. If you joined us late in today's broadcast, you can catch it all on our website. Go to livingalegacy.org and look for the link Past Programs. Listen at your convenience, livingalegacy.org. And again, here's that email address. Write to us at legacyatmoody.edu. That's legacyatmoody.edu. For Dr. Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for listening.
This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.